Praise God. Good morning. Good morning. This is a blessed opportunity to be before you this morning. Um, when my husband asked me to preach, I was like hesitant. This is not, this is not my uh, forte. Um, but you know, God is uh, a God who takes you out of your comfort zone. So uh, just pray for me <laughs> as I minister this morning. I'm going to be coming, uh, bringing um, word um, this morning. Pastor has been talking about building through prayer. And today we will continue this uh, series. Uh, this is part three, and today it's going to be hindrance to prayer. Um, just to recap a little bit of what um, Pastor talked about previously. Um, last week he talked about how to hear God's voice. And he said we can hear his voice through his word, um, through other people, and through circumstances, and through the spirit. So right now, I'm going to take it from James 4, 1, our opening um, verse. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they come, not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war. Yet we do not have because we do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulteries, adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your word today, Lord. We thank you, Father God, that you do speak to you through your word, Father God. And we ask that you will speak to everyone who's present today, Father God, that they will not be just hearers of the word, Father God, that this word will be evident in their lives, Lord, that they will be doers of the word, Father God. This will be a word that will change our prayer life, Father God, that will make our prayers more potent and more powerful, Father God. Because you said that the righteous prayers of the righteous availeth much, Father God. And we want our prayers to avail much, Father God. So, Father, right now, Lord, speak through me, Father God. Use me as a conduit, a vessel fit for your use, Father God. And we give you praise and honor in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. It's everyone's desire to be close to God. Every Christian has a desire to have an intimate relationship with God. We want to hear his voice. We want to be led by his spirit. And we desire to do his will. Amen. When we realize that many people don't know how to pray, because God says in his word that people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. And that hinders our ability to communicate with him when we don't know him and we, we don't have knowledge of his word. Uh, we can grow and develop how to touch heaven. God gives us everything that we need to know about prayer and his word how to grow close to him, how to communicate with him. It's all right here in his word. Amen. So today we're going to talk about some hindrances to our prayer life. Why is it when we pray and we pray and we pray and there seems to be no answer? It seems like we're just not getting through to him. Why does it seem that things aren't changing as fast as we want them to or the way we want them to? Well, Lord, I prayed and I asked you, the circumstances are still not changing. Why does it feel sometimes when we pray that our prayers, like the video said earlier, is just like hitting the ceiling? Nothing's moving. Nothing's flowing. 
Well, evidently there's hindrances that keeps our prayers from flowing to the throne room. Let's look at what a hindrance is. Let's look and see what Webster says about the word hindrance. He says it's an obstruction that makes movement or flow difficult or impossible. And the first thing I thought about when I saw that, because I write 95 and 495 all the time going to work, is that how I want to get to work at a certain time and I want to be there at a certain time. There's always a hindrance that blocks the flow of traffic. It slows you down. And you're not getting where you want fast enough. You're not, you're not reaching your destination fast enough. And the first thing you tend to do is get frustrated. And sometimes that is like pray, praying. You're not getting your results fast enough. You're not getting your answers fast enough. And we tend to get frustrated. Amen? So let's look at the first hindrance of a prayer that I have here. I said it's a lack of intimacy. What is intimacy? A close, binding, familiar relationship that you have with someone. Amen? Like a husband and wife. A husband and wife has an intimate relationship with each other. At least I hope you do. That you know your likes. He knows your likes. She knows his dislikes. You knows um, what she doesn't like. You know how she feels at a certain time. You know when not to talk to her. You know when not to bother her or she knows when not to bother you she knows what you like to eat she um, and you and you guys that's intimacy and that's what God desires with his children an intimate relationship to be intimate intimate with God is to know him if we don't know him we cannot be intimate with him no intimacy reveals we don't really know him if we don't really know him, our prayer life will suffer. So there's no way you can go and talk to somebody you don't know. Have you ever tried that? Have you ever tried to be intimate with a stranger? You go up to a stranger and you try to talk to that person intimately. I think they're going to look at you like you're crazy. Who are you? And that's the same way God feels. He don't hear from you all week. Maybe on Sunday you say a little prayer before you come to church or doing service. And then Monday through Friday, there's no communication. And then when something happens in your life, you call out to him. And not saying that God doesn't hear that prayer, because God says he hears the prayers of the righteous. But that fellowship isn't there. That closeness isn't there. And you can feel it when you're down on your knees, when you're not close enough to the Lord. It's just not, it's just, you don't have that, that, that spiritual covering, that comfort isn't there. And you don't feel like you're t really talking to him. You feel like you're just saying words. Because there's no intimacy. And that's what God wants. That's what he desires. And it's much more deeper than an emotional thing. Intimacy comes from the soul. It's reflective in our actions. God's not moved by emotions. He's moved by our heart. Amen? And true intimacy is, begins with drawing close to him. God says, if you draw close to me, I will draw close to you. Amen? Jesus' intimacy with God is a perfect model of how we should be with the Father. He says in John 10, 30 that I and my Father are one. That speaks a lot. They're one. They're so close that he knows everything about the Father. He knows the character, the nature, and motives of his Father. And that's the same way we should be. Amen? 
Jesus said to, to them, by myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just. For I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. Jesus' whole purpose and mission when he was here on earth was to accomplish the Father's will. He was, he was here to accomplish his will, not his will, but my will be done. Amen. He did nothing on his own. He did all things in the will of his father. And that's what we should be aiming for when we are praying. What is your will for my life, God? And this was most evident in Jesus' uh, prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. Everybody is familiar with that prayer in Luke twenty-two forty-two. He was agonizing over what was to come. He, know, he knew the cup he was to drink from, was to die on that cross for the sins of the world. And he agonized, and he cries out, and that crying out, and that plea, he says at the end, not my will, but your will be done. Have you guys ever gotten to a point where you were agonizing over something? You agonized over something, you prayed about it, and finally you get to the point where you know you can't do it within your own self. You knew that you were uh, moved out of your own desires, your own lusts, and you cry out finally, not my will, but your will be done. And that's when you see God move. Amen? If we hope to attain true in intimacy with God, Jesus must be our model. We should take that model prayer and use it as a model for our own lives. Amen. The more intimate we are, the more fruitful and exact our prayers will be. You'll find out the more intimate you're with Jesus, the more you know about Jesus through his word, the more fruitful your prayers will be, the more results you will see. Amen. It may not be the exact results that you want to see all the time. It may not exactly happen the way you want to happen. Or, or, you, or it may not take place the time you want it to happen. But you will see fruitful actions in your prayers. Amen. Fruitful results. Jesus, the God man, showed us how to relate to our Heavenly Father. Some ways that we can increase our intimacy with the Father is through his word. Reading this word every day. Learning who he is through his word. That's the only way that you can gain intimacy and a close relationship with the Father is through his word. Secondly, not just reading the word, but being obedient to his word. So many of us read the Bible, but do we obey it? Obedience is a key factor to a fruitful prayer life. Amen? He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And we all love Jesus. We all love him. We all say it all the time. Even when I was teaching Sunday schools, a song we always sing to the kids. Jesus loves me, this I know. Amen? Thirdly, consistent prayer to God. Pouring out our hearts, taking concerns. We've got to be consistent. You can't just pray on Sunday and don't pray Monday through Friday. You can't just pray one time and just give up when you don't see your results. God says be steadfast in prayer. Be consistent. Don't give in and don't give up. Take that thing before God as often as you can. Amen? Constant pursuit of his will. Land down your own will in pursuing his will for your life. 
So many times we want the things the way we want them, but are we seeking what God wants? Amen? And James, and the second hindrance to prayer is found in James 4, 1 through 3. It's wrong motives. Wrong motives. James 4, 1 through 3 says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? That was my opening verse. Don't they come from your desire, the battle within you? You want something but don't get. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You crawl and you fight. You do not have because you do not ask. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on pleasure. And what is a motive? Let's look at that. A need or desire that causes one to act. It's the driving power behind a thing. What is your motive? What is your motive for praying for that thing that you've been praying for? What is your motive? Why are you praying for that new job, that new car? There's nothing wrong with praying for those things, but why do you want it? Do you want it just to say that you have a new car? Do you want that new house just to say that you have a big house? Or you want those things to better your family, you get to work? What are your motives? God is always concerned about our motives because he's not just listening to our words that we're speaking. He's looking at our heart. Amen. And God will not answer prayer that is selfishly motivated. God will not answer those prayers when it's led by selfishness. Amen. One prayer that came in mind when I was looking at the um, motives was Solomon's prayer in 1 Kings. Everybody familiar with Solomon's prayer? That when he was reigning, when he was reigning king, he prayed for wisdom. He could have prayed for anything. He could have prayed for wealth, honor, to be popular. He prayed for wisdom. And that wisdom he prayed for was just not for himself. That's the key. He prayed for wisdom so he could lead God's people better. That was the difference. And because his motives were right, that that prayer was not just for him, but for others, God granted him those riches. He was one of the richest people in the world. God granted him those riches because his heart was right. And God will do the same for you when you pray with the right motives. Solomon wasn't Solomon focused. He was kingdom focused. So when we pray in the right motives and when we are kingdom focused, God will answer our prayers. He will pour out his blessings on us that we won't have room enough to receive because we're praying with the right heart and we're praying with the right motives. I, the word I was not in Solomon's prayer. He was concerned about the needs of others. Amen. God tries the heart. And Jeremiah 17, 10 says, I, the Lord, search their heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. So when you're praying, God is testing your heart. He's seeing where your heart is. He's seeing where your motives are. I ask that you ask God to reveal your motives. Reveal your motives like David asked God. David said, if there is any wicked way in me, Lord, lead me in the path of righteousness. And that should be our prayer. When you're praying, you feel like your motives aren't exactly right. And you will. You'll be convicted. Ask God to lead you in the path of righteousness. Cleanse my heart, Lord. 
I know I'm not praying in the right motives. Give me the right motives, Lord, that my prayers may be fruitful. Amen. The third hindrance that I'm going to talk about today is an unforgiving spirit. I think that's one of the biggest ones. I think so many people in this world today has so much baggage from life and so much hurt and so much disappointment that they have unforgiveness in their hearts. And that is a big blockage to our prayer life. Amen. In Mark 11, 4 through 25, it says, and when you stand praying, if you have anything, anything, everybody say anything, against anyone, forgive them, that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. We grow up with hurts. We come into our adulthood with that same baggage and still holding on to it. I heard a funny, I heard a funny story one time that um, these two neighbors got in an argument. I mean, a really bad one to the point where this one neighbor would not even go past the neighbor's house. So for the longest time, this neighbor would take a detour. Many years passed. He was still taking the detour because he was so upset at this person. Come to find out, the whole time this neighbor was taking the detour, after so many years, the other person had moved away and gone. But he was still taking the detour. He was still holding on to that baggage. And we have a lot of times that we are holding on to baggage. And we need to let it go. Because there's nothing worth holding on to that's going to block your prayers to the Father. There's nothing worth it. Amen? Answer prayers of the faith are directly tied to forgiving others. It's directly tied to that. We can expect God to answer our prayers when we refuse to forgive. You know, that's a misnomer. You cannot go to your knees asking God for something when you know that there's unforgiveness in your heart. I just can't do it. I mean, I, I couldn't even kneel. I'll be so convicted. So if you have any for, unforgiveness in your heart, I ask that right now that you just let it go. Let it go. Let God uh, take care of it. Amen. A harsh, vindictive spirit towards others hinders our prayers. And the person that hurts the most is you. You're not really hurting the other person. It's hurting you because your prayers are being hindered. Your prayers for your family, for your life, everything that you desire to do. You're hurting yourself, not the other person. The other person's probably not even thinking about you. It's going on with their lives, but you're still holding on to that baggage. Let it go. It's not worth it. Amen. And he, Hebrews 12, 15 states, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of grace of God, lest a root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. If you've got a root of bitterness springing up to you, break it at the root by praying and asking and confessing that sin to God. Amen. When we refuse to forgive others, a root of bitterness grows up in our hearts and chokes our prayers. You think about a flower, a beautiful flower outside. You ever groom flowers? We got some in our yards, and the flowers are really pretty, but you have this vine or weed that's growing around it, and it finally chokes it so much that it dies, and all the beauty disappears. That's similar to what bitterness does to us. It keeps growing and growing and growing, and our beautiful life in Christ disappears because we have so much bitterness in our hearts. Amen. 
Unforgiving spirit disturbs our fellowship with God because God is a God of love. And we are made in his image. And we're supposed to be his ambassadors on this earth. We should be walking in the spirit of love. Is it always easy? No. Are we perfect? No. But we should be making an effort to walk in the spirit of love as much as we can. Amen? Therefore, when we do walk in this spirit, our prayers are hindered. You mutter things like, I can never forgive that person for what he or she did to me. Each time you mutter those type of things, it chokes your prayers even more. It's like someone's taking their hand around your heart and just choking it and choking it because you're continuing to feed your mind with those bitter words. Our fellowship is disturbed and there's no communication between us and our Father. We're allowing other people's behavior to dictate our actions. No one should ever have that much power over you or your prayer life that they're dictating how your prayers will be answered. Don't ever allow anyone else's actions to dictate your... I tell my kids all that. Tell my kids that all the time that they come home and say, well, you know, she was, you know, she did this to me. So I did this to her. I said, no, 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 no. You always take the higher road. Don't ever let anyone have that much power over you that they change the way you are. Amen. Amen. The next thing that hinders our prayers is worry. Another big one. Worry. Not only does it hinder our prayers, it can make us sick physically, physically sick. And Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, be anxious for nothing, but in all prayer and supplication, make your request known unto God. And with thanksgiving, let your request be known. Be anxious for nothing. I think about the scripture of Matthew where he said the birds in the, in the air, they don't worry about anything. The flowers of the field. If Jesus provided for them, he's going to provide for us. Amen. Instead of getting on the phone and calling Joe or, or Sarah about your problem, we need to get on our knees more and replace prayer, replace worry with prayer. Because so many times we want to talk to someone else other than God about what we're worrying about. If we take our worries to the throne room more than we take it to our friends, we'll get better results. Amen? Many of us spend time worrying about an issue instead of praying about that issue, and nothing's going to change if you never pray about it. You're not, gonna give, you're not giving God the opportunity to move in your life. You're not giving God the opportunity to show forth his faithfulness when you don't take your worries and concerns to him. Amen? When we consistently take our concerns to God in prayer, he promises to give us peace. He says he will give us peace beyond understanding. How many of you guys want that peace? In our health, in our financial issues, in our relational issues, he says he will give us peace. Worry has the capacity just to drain you. Have you ever worried so much that you just drained? That you was just drained by the end of the week? You come in here on Sunday, you just look so drained because you've been worried all week long. and You hadn't taken that thing to God in prayer the way that you should. So you, you're not going to be effective when you're worrying. You can't be effective to anybody else. We're all members one of a, another. We're all the body of Christ. 
If one part of our body isn't healthy, the rest of the part of the body isn't healthy because it's going to affect the rest of the body. The next thing that hinders our prayer is improper husband and wife relationship. First Peter 3, 7 says, Husbands, likewise, dwell with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together grace, so that your prayers may not be hindered. How many of you guys have been in arguments coming to church on Sunday? I'm be honest. I've been mad at my husband. And my husband's so funny because he, he knows I'm mad at him. He'll be like, go ahead and pray, baby. <laughs> He'll say something like that. And I feel so convicted because I know I can't literally go before the throne like that. And um, I've seen people, you know, heard people, they argue and they come to church and they try to praise. It won't work. God won't let you. If you're able to do that, you're better than me. I just can't. But um, when there is discord, prayers are hindered. When there's discord in our homes, there is no peace. There is no peace. Couples cannot pray together when something is disrupting the fellowship. We cannot pray together. And when you can't pray, you allow the devil room to come into your marriage, into your home. Because he knows you're not praying. That's what the devil wants. He don't want us praying together. So he'll do anything to cause discord. Men, treat your wives as queens in public and trash them at home. That's not going to work either because God's eyes are looking everywhere. So we can't like one thing at home and then come in here on Sunday and think everything is okay and treat, you know, people wrong. Not just wives, anybody. People on your job. You're treating your coworkers wrong on your job and then you're going to come here on Sunday and treat your fellow saints good. That's not going to work. We got to be the same. Amen. God sees the heart, and God is not pleased when we do that. We are called to honor our wives, and wives are called to submit to their husbands to honor them as well, because he and she is a fellow heir of grace. Amen? So we have to treat each other with respect and honor if we want our prayers to be answered. Amen? We can't be upset and treat our husband and wives any kind of way and expect God to honor our prayers. Prayers will be greatly hindered if there is an unhealthy marriage relationship. We have to have healthy homes and healthy marriages so that our prayers can be effective, so that we can change the world, so that our prayers can avail much, as it says. Amen? Next one is a lack of persistence. Persistence. Trying to keep it going, you know? Sometimes we pray and we just give up. Because we feel like, man, nothing's happening, nothing's changing. This isn't working. A lack of persistence is a hindrance to prayer. Luke 18, 1 states, Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Don't give up. If you don't see it changing the way you want it to be changed, if you don't see God moving the way you want him to move, that doesn't mean he's not working. Because God does not work on our timetable. We know that. Amen? God does not work on our timetable. His ways are not our ways. So don't throw in the towel. In Isaiah 55, 8-9, through 9, God says that. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor your ways my ways, says the Lord. 
For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. God is always ahead of us. He is always ahead of us. We're still back here. He's way up there. He's already got it resolved. He just hasn't shown it to you yet. So my thing to you says, don't give up on praying for that unsaved loved one. Don't give up on that spouse who's wayward. Don't give up on that child, that prodigal child. Don't give up. Amen? Amen. Many people give up when God doesn't answer the prayer fast enough. We must learn to wait. We must, we must not lose faith. Because when we lose faith, we stop praying. And there's no power, right? Think about Daniel. 21 days praying. 21 days. But he didn't give up, did he? He didn't give up. Because Daniel, no, he wasn't wrestling against flesh and blood. Because God says we, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities. Rulers of wickedness in high places. So when you realize what you're wrestling against, you won't give up. The next thing is pride. Pride hinders our prayers. In Matthew 6, it says, when you pray, Matthew 6, 1 through 7, it says, when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do. For they think they will be heard for their many words. <laughs> How many of you guys ever felt that you need to pray a lot in order to impress somebody? That's what the, um, yeah, that's what the Pharisees did. But God says they were like uh, uh, full of dead men bones. It was more of an outward thing for the Pharisees. It was like a Pharisaical spirit and we feel like we have to impress people. God is not impressed by your words. God is impressed by your, the motives of your heart. Amen. God is not hearing that they are designed to impress others. God is impressed with humility. God wants humility. That's what God is moved by. The Pharisees wanted to be noticed for their prayers. So they prayed out loud. They were self-righteous. And God wasn't happy with them. Amen. They thought they were better than everyone else. God says he resists the proud but give grace to the humble. So when we're praying in the spirit of pride, God is not hearing those prayers. He's not moved by pride. He wants humility and he wants a sincere heart with sincere motives. Amen. The seventh thing is doubt. Doubt. We know everybody in here is super spiritual. We never doubt. Amen. <laughs> Um, in James 1, 5 through 8, it says, if, ye, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, say, let him ask in faith, everybody. Ask in faith without doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will, see, will receive anything from the Lord. When we have already doubted in our heart that we're not going to get what we're praying for, why do we go and kneel? And we know in, behind in our heads we're thinking that's not going to really happen. Why are you praying? It's just words coming out and there's no power behind those words because you're not moving in faith. Faith is the vehicle of power in our prayers. So we're already doubting God. 
why are we even asking him for it? Failure to believe God, we must take God at his word. Because he said he is not a man that he should lie, men. And he said the just shall live by, what shall we live by, guys? The just shall live by faith. So without faith, it's impossible to please him. If you're not moving in the spirit of faith when you're praying, you're not pleasing him. You're disappointing him. You're, you're disappointing the God of the universe, the God that formed you in your mother's womb. You're not believing the God who put the stars in the sky, who can make the waves to come, tell the waves to stop or to come forward. You're not putting that small thing, that small thing that you're, because it's small compared to what God can do. You're not trusting him with that small thing, the God who put the planets in the universe, who makes the earth spin, who makes the sun to set and the sun to rise. You're doubting him. How would you feel? I would feel very disappointed. Very disappointed. So if you're going to come to God, come in faith. Don't doubt. Doubt doesn't move him, but faith does. And last but not least is unconfessed sins. Unconfessed sins. In Isaiah 59, 1 through 3, it says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquity, iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies, and your tongue have muttered perversity. Known confessed sins clogs the prayer lines. If you have unconfessed sins in your heart, it's clogging your prayer lines. It's clogging the power. It's like a lamp <laughs> on a table, and it has the ability to light up and change the whole atmosphere of the room, but it's not plugged in. That's, some, that's how unconfessed sins clog our prayer life in our communication to God. We can't plug into God with that unconfessed sin. Amen. We cannot plug into the power to have God move in our lives because we have unconfessed sin. Um, if we're being disobedient to God in any area of our life, we need to get that right before we come to him. Because prayer is about obeying. Amen. God says obedience is better than sacrifice. It's agreeing with God as he relates to sin. And he says in 2 Chronicles, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin and heal their land. So, that is the key to healing our land. We must do it. Amen? So he's calling for the church to get right for his people to get right we have to turn from our wicked ways then God says he will hear from heaven and heal our land what a confession do you have in your hearts today that you need to confess and ask God to forgive if it's it's not I can tell you one thing it's not important enough to clog your prayer life to cut off the power of God and from moving in your life, from changing your situation, from making things better. No sin is that important, amen? So if you have any unconfessed sin in your heart right now, you just need to pray and ask God to forgive you so that 
we all can lead more powerful, potent prayer lives so that the righteous prayer will avail of much, that we can be life changers. We can see changes in our world, changes in our country, because the saints are praying with the right hearts, right motives. Amen? So let me recap some of the things that I've mentioned today. I said things that hinder our prayer life is a lack of intimacy with the Father. Amen? Wrong motives. An unforgiving spirit. Worry. Improper husband and wife relationships. Lack of persistence. Pride. Doubt. And last but not least, unconfessed sins. Amen? Let us all bow our heads.